Well, welcome everybody to our fourth episode of A Priest, A Minister, and A Rabbi Walk Into a Bar. We are filming on location at Hop Monk Tavern in Novato, California. And if you would like some great food and delicious drinks and you're in the Novato area, please make sure you stop by Hop Monk Tavern. And I'm with Naomi and Bethany. And today we're talking about why we're weird. Why we're weird. <laughs> but to start off, I want to say, as we always do, that the views expressed here are solely our own and do not necessarily represent the opinions and beliefs of anyone, anyone. else. So keep that in mind. <clears throat> well, today we're going to look at why people, a lot of people in mainstream society, look at church people or religious people as being a little weird, you know, maybe uh, people with extreme views or strange beliefs people who have secret rituals. Mm -hmm. And so in our episode today, we wanna to take some time to debunk those stereotypes and offer an explanation as to why those perceptions aren't entirely accurate. So sit back and enjoy this episode as we enter into the strange world of religion and its adherents. <laughs> well, we're gonna start off by talking about bad experiences with church people or religious people, right? We've all had them. Mm. And I think, Naomi, we're gonna start with you because you were gonna talk about some bad experiences you've had with maybe certain other no, Jewish people. Some, yeah, some more, more of the, uh, I was raised in a much more, much more observant uh, sect of Judaism. And uh, I just, um, always found that uh, that a lot of people had this sense that that the more observant you are somehow the more the more close to God you are and that people who are not as observant uh, are somehow lesser mm -hmm. right and, so there's like a hierarchy you're yeah, better Jew than, than yeah, others, right? yeah some and, are better some are worse and there was always you know sitting in the in the women's section of the synagogue you know a woman would walk in with with the telltale signs that she was not knowledgeable about observant uh, life. She'd be wearing pants, for instance, Ugh. which was like a, something you didn't do to synagogue. Or she'd be carrying a purse, which was something you don't do on the Sabbath. Oh, you know, right, because it's work, right? You're carrying You're carrying, um, there's business in there. There's like money, which you can't touch on the uh -huh. Holy Sabbath day or use in any Not way. Not even to put it in the collection plate? Not on the Sabbath, no. Um, and you would have... We'd go out of business if you couldn't take <laughs> out the <laughs> collection. <Right? laughs> no doubt. Yeah, the, uh, so, so somebody, rather than, you know, being welcoming, somebody would, like, do what, what we call the elevator eyes, the, the up and down <laughs> look. The up and down. The, uh, the elevator eyes. <laughs> yes, and rather than saying, hey, welcome, would you like to know what page of the prayer book that we're on? Because it's in a strange language that you may not know how to read. Um, and it was just the elevator eyes and turning away. And I'm like, well, that's not the values that I'm learning mm -hmm. in my religious life. Mm -hmm. So I always mm -hmm. found... Um, there were many instances of, of that kind of you know thing. Even though the observance itself, I found very meaningful, and and I, mm -hmm. I never found the need to judge other people for for not observing. And I found it very uh, troubling that there were there were people who who judged people who were either ignorant or even worse knew what the rules were. Go back to our last episode yeah. about rules, yeah. um, but chose not to observe them. Mm -hmm. mm. That was even worse than being ignorant. 
Right. So I had similar experience. I grew up here in Northern California at a very open, welcoming, progressive church. And I kind of thought that was Christianity, right? <laughs> um, and then post-college, I moved to the South for a few years. Um, and attending church in the South was extraordinarily eye-opening. Um, because in general, I'm stereotyping here, but in general, church life is more conservative in the South. Yep. Um, and I went to multiple different churches trying to find a church home um, and heard all of these messages preached uh, about exclusion and about, you know, you are Christian if you do it this one specific way, right? And if you believe these very specific things and if you don't, well, you know, you must not be a Christian, right? And I'm like, what? Yeah. <laughs> no, no. That, uh, no it, it went against everything that I had grown up learning. And then as a young adult, you know, it went against everything that I believed about being a follower of Jesus. You know, right. this exclusive, you're in or you're out kind of thing. Yeah. No, thank you. Yeah. Yeah, yeah exactly. Well, I grew up in the South. Mm. So, um, so you know a little of what I speak. A little bit, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. there's one way. Well, not always. Again, it's, st it's stereotyping. Without a doubt, absolutely. But I did yeah. have a, I did, there was a guy on my school bus. His name was Michael. And uh, he was, he was a, a very a committed Christian, evangelical Christian. Mm -hmm. And every so often on the school bus as we're driving to school, and this is high school, he would get up and he would start giving his testimony about Jesus. And then he'd tell us all that if we didn't accept Jesus as our Lord and Savior, we were all going to hell. And it didn't really go over very well. He was a big guy, but um, so he never got really beat up for that. But it was, we always found it very um, kind of off-putting, like yeah. a little weird. Yeah. Uh, and that's one of the things that religious people, church people kind of get, uh, have a bad reputation for. And we're gonna be talking about that in a few minutes. Uh -huh. Also, as a, when I became Catholic, which was about 35 years ago, um, I grew up in the Lutheran Church, and I had a wonderful experience. The pastors were very loving and kind, and everybody's very... But now, when I go and I meet with groups of Catholics, and they talk about how they grew up, it was... Some of them felt it was a very rigid, uh, you know, again, a very judgmental, Mm -hmm. You got to do it this way or you're wrong kind of environment. And I mm -hmm. kind of felt bad for them. Hmm. Those are just our stories mm -hmm. about weird church people. <laughs> so let's ask our resident skeptic, our tech guy, Jim Reitzel. Uh, Jim works Jim works at my church, St. Hillary, as our tech guy. We have mm -hmm. an actual official name for him, but we call him the tech guy. And um, he's... you. We've been together, what, about eight years now or seven years? Uh, yeah. And uh, you describe yourself as the quintessential unchurched person and a, and a very big skeptic when it comes to faith. He is coming around, but that'll be the source of another episode. <laughs> uh, oh, we can bring can him I, back. Can, can, I, can I come to that baptism? <laughs> <laughs> am I invited? You're a good one. But, <laughs> tell us, Jim, from your point of view, why do people think that religious people are weird? Well, I think you guys touched on something earlier. It has to do, I think, with the way that people who are non-churched hear about the church, hear mm -hmm. about people who are, who have faith, right? In the media, we don't hear about normal church people. We hear about the fringe. We hear about mm -hmm. what's going on with the Catholic Church and and the um, the, the abuse that has the happened. With, I mean mm -hmm. that, you know that 
one issue is enough for people to go, oh, I don't, you know, without even understanding anything. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Mm -hmm. For me personally, mm -hmm. I was brought up in a, in a family that was not, we never went to church. My mom had a bad experience with the Catholic religion and she didn't want to put her kids through it. So before I started working with Father Roger, my view was like, everybody who is truly religious there's something unhinged about them because they believe. <laughs> well, because they believe. Well, they be they believe in something that you that you have to have faith to to make that that gap. Mm -hmm. You know, yeah. none of us have actually touched Jesus or Moses. We 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 didn't hear them speak, so right. we're only you know we're getting the second hint, right? Mm -hmm. And then also. I think for myself, I, my knowledge was, wow, there's different, these, there's these different religions who don't agree with each other on things, right? Mm -hmm. And it seems to be that each religion has their own, no, this is what it is, they're wrong. Right. Mm -hmm. yeah. So it wasn't until I started working with Father Roger and showing up every Sunday for three masses a day, and then and, and realizing wow. how completely normal I am. <laughs> well, so. actually, that's kind of true. You, you are. I mean, well, first normal. of all, what I realized immediately was that the people who went to the church mm -hmm. were not crazy. Ah. I immediately started mm -hmm. liking these people and having relationship with them mm -hmm. and realizing, oh, this is not what I thought it was. Right. Um, so that was a big eye-opening thing for me was like, well, it's one thing to hear about something, but it's another thing to invest and experience it. You know, and I was lucky I got brought into it because of my profession. Mm -hmm. I was being hired because I'm, you know, I do sound and video mm -hmm. and stuff. Mm -hmm. But it was, uh, again, eye-opening to realize, oh, these people aren't crazy. I haven't met one person yet who I've gone, whoa, well, these people are a little are crazy. Going, well, <laughs> let me just say, you but stick that, around long enough, there's a well, few. Well, uh, okay. But I don't think it's connected with their faith. I think the no. crazy well, is. Just, yeah, but, but I know certain. Despite their faith. I know right. certain parishioners who are really deep in their faith, yes. right? Yeah, sure. I, and I know those people now, and I really like them. I don't, you know, I may not have this come to the same understanding yet of, of certain things, but. I like these people. I realize that they're not crazy, and it's totally changed my perception. Yeah. Obviously, I think maybe if I had went to a church in the South that was really, you know, conservative and evangelical, but even that word's a weird word. Yeah. It, without um, a doubt, yes. Because my understanding of that word is it really means you're just trying to bring people to God. Yeah. It's not right. trying, you're trying to brainwash people right. or whatever. Correct. But yeah, maybe again, fundamentalist is a better word. Yeah. Well, yeah. But, but for people who are unchurched, that's all we think it is. We think all of religion is a Southern Baptist church that says you're going to go to hell if you don't agree with these things. Yep. Right? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, so I think it's really perception. I think the media has a lot to do with it. I think mm -hmm. there's a lot of, uh, a lot of focus on the the fringes and not mm -hmm. sort of on the fact that, geez, most people, even in different religions, have this common core, mm -hmm. and don't hate each other and aren't at battle with each other and yeah. are like the three of you who can have conversations and. Um, and have an under uh, uh, an agreement that's like the root of a tree. There's different right. branches, different yeah. religions. Yep. But, wow. It's the same God, many paths, the same God, many stories to tell about the same right. God, and many lenses through which we can yeah. look at the God, look at God, and get close to God. And there's yeah. so many. And I don't think any re religion has a monopoly on God. I think we're all seeking and 
religions of different types have popped up all over the world through different cultures, and it's all just going towards the same thing. Well, that's why this podcast is important. It's not, you know, this podcast is not for the people who are at church, but it's for the people who, like myself, are curious and and want to have a better understanding. And I'm, I'm proud to be part of this. We love having oh, you. Thank you, Thank resident you. skeptic. I'm getting out of the frame now. <laughs> he didn't sound so, that much like a skeptic. No, he didn't. <laughs> oh, he's on his way. Um, <laughs> so, I want to come to that baptism. So religion has a PR problem. That's basically what I heard. Which, mm. you know, he sort of said at the end. I mean, that's part of the reason why we're doing this. Right. Um, is to help that PR problem. Yeah. I mean, in yeah. some instances, it's well-deserved, right? There are mm -hmm. some. Absolutely. But what, Jim, I think what I heard him say is that the majority of the people, the majority of the mm -hmm. uh, things that go on in, in religious life are pretty normal and yeah. open-minded, yeah. uh, despite mm -hmm. what the common stereotype is. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I don't know if I'm, if I'm going off the rails from this here, but like I feel like religions, uh, I used to make this pseudo-Venn diagram for, for people. Um, which was just a bunch of circles on a page that all religions, and you know, I was usually doing it to, to explain why for Judaism, somebody who wasn't a regular synagogue attendee or didn't keep the laws of, you know, keeping, keeping a kosher home or eating kosher food or keeping the Sabbath, which are sort of your three sort of big, like, are you, you know, an observant Jew? Are you doing those three things? That's mm. usually the question. Um, the other, you know, 600 some odd laws, you know, it's like irrelevant. It's like, are you observing the Sabbath? Are you keeping kosher? Are you engaged in community? But mm -hmm. I, and, and people would see like, I'm not doing any of these things, so I must be a bad Jew. And I'm like, mm -hmm. I know people who do all those things who are horrible people. And, are <laughs> and I would, I would <laughs> posit, you know, that, that, that perhaps they are even bad Jews, um, certainly bad human beings. Mm -hmm. um, but then I would make this page of circles, like religion, not just Judaism, but every religion offers these things. Food, religious observances, rituals, holidays to celebrate together, community, shared language, um, an ethical uh, sort of an- Framework. An, an, a, thank you, an ethical framework. Um, and I usually have like 15 or 20 things. Mm. That's great. All religions provide all of those things. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And it's just a matter of finding your entry point into the religion. So our, we have this, this joke about like culinary Jews. It's like, yeah, I don't do much, but I eat a bagel. <laughs> I eat a bagel. I'm a culinary Jew. Well, I eat... <laughs> am I a culinary Jew? <laughs> you might be a culinary Jew. I love bagels. I eat a bagel. <laughs> so, um, and it's a joke, but also people find different ways of, uh, of connecting with their religion. And it's, maybe it's not all of the ways, I hope, they start with the ethical framework. I mean, that's, I think, the most important piece. But also you want a sense of belonging with a group that sort of does the same thing. So I feel like every religion offers that in some way mm -hmm. um, and, uh, and are either more or less successful at it. <laughs> yeah. So let's address some of our PR issues, right? We, oh. we talked earlier, right? And we made a little list. We've got a list. Of of some things. The most common misperceptions and myths about religious people. So we'll start with the first one. Uh -huh. Perhaps this is the most common. Church people, religious people, are a bunch of hypocrites who preach one thing and do the opposite. Mm. Yeah. What do we think about that? So I was thinking about this one. Um, this is one of the things that Jesus really railed against. 
You know, he has this whole section in one of his speeches. Woe to you, he, you know. You hypocrites. You right? hypocrites, right? Who are whitewashed tombs, so beautiful on the outside and, you know, being eaten alive by vermin on the inside. I'm paraphrasing Jesus there. But um, but he was real concerned yeah. with that. And so, you know, I was thinking about that. He was talking about the Pharisees. Sorry. Yeah. Mm-hmm. No, hey, hey. <laughs> the, <laughs> not wrong. At, least, not at wrong. least for me as a person of faith, that is one of the most important things for me, mm-hmm. is to make sure I'm not doing that, mm-hmm. right? I think, so when I thought about this, I, I think that a lot of people rightly, well, n- not rightly, see religious people as hypocrites because a, a hypocrite technically is defined as someone who, uh, who espouses one value but then doesn't, doesn't adhere to, to it. it yeah. But to me, I think it's a little bit more than that. I mean, to condemn a hypocrite, I think to me, you, you, ha- you have to condemn someone like that when, the, well, you don't condemn anybody, but you, you could be upset with that person if they are espousing a particular value and then in, while intentionally and secretly and purposefully not living up to it. But to me, I think religious people sometimes get a bad rap because we do tend to hold up uh, 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 values that are, often hard to achieve. Mm-hmm. You know, they're, they're high standards. And basically, and, and we're human, like everybody's human. Um, and we're all on a journey to kind of become more human, which means to become more ethical, more moral, sure. better, more virtuous people. But it, the question is when you can't achieve that standard, do you lower the standard? Or do you keep striving for the higher standard? And I think sometimes religious people get a bad rap because they say, well, you see, you say don't do this. And yet, you know, I know this guy, he goes to church every Sunday and he does that. Yep. And a lot of times, not always, a lot of times the person is genuinely striving to sure. get there, but yeah. doesn't make it. Yeah. I mean, I want to quote a great man right now. Father Roger. Yes. <laughs> oh, really? Yes. <laughs> we quote a great man right now in our last episode. You, you repeated... Uh, several times in the context of talking about rules, yeah. it's aspirational. Right. It's aspirational, and I, and that really stuck with me. Mm. It's yeah. aspirational. Yeah. So the you know. I think you said that first, but. <laughs> no. Okay. No, you 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 said it, I was like that's a great way of doing of saying that. Yeah, yeah. it's and, aspirational. And for me, that's what grace is all about too, right? right? I mean, we've got to offer grace to one another, grace to ourselves, right? Without mm-hmm. a doubt. Right. And I mean, we see the journey as, uh, we see life as a spiritual journey mm-hmm. where you're, get, you're becoming closer and closer and closer to God and you're learning to love mm-hmm. other people more and more and more. It's, move, mm-hmm. it's a movement from selfishness to selflessness. Mm-hmm. And a lot of times we don't make it. Absolutely. But eventually, hopefully by the end of your life, you have at least moved forward, right? Mm-hmm. Right, mm-hmm. yeah. And sometimes just the tension between the aspiration and the reality it's it's kind of like what life is, mm-hmm. um, and I, I feel like a lot of a lot of Jewish practices and rituals are about about trying to do a ritual one way, just like keeping kosher or keeping the Sabbath. Mm-hmm. Sometimes I walk into my kitchen and the knife that has been designated only for meat is sticking out of the block of cheese, and I'm like. <laughs> Okay, so there's only one other person that lives in your house, right? Yes, <laughs> and and we joke about it, and and I have the pile of utensils that must be re-koshered uh, because they have been whoop accidentally used in the wrong context. Um, but I but I also like 
find the tension interesting, and I mm. and I I've learned to live with it. It's like not about like oh no, you put the meat knife in the dairy. It's like oh, you know, okay. There's the tension. Yeah. We're living the real life. In fact, in the in the Old Testament, in the Torah. Uh, I wish I could quote the exact uh, book, chapter, and verse, but I cannot. It says, Lo bashamayim hi, not in the heaven is this stuff. Yeah. God is saying, this isn't meant to be in heaven. This is meant, this Torah is meant to be lived in reality. Mm -hmm. It's not supposed to be out of reach. So it, once, it's, it's sort of a training ground for heaven, right? Or no? I don't, it's like I don't know if to help the you. Jewish, because our, you know, we don't really have a specific yeah. theological view of heaven. Um, and we're going we to talk about in, that later. Yeah. yeah. I mean, we, we talk about living life in the now and living it the best now because yeah. we know we have now. I mean, mm -hmm. I think most of us do believe that there's something after, um, but our tradition doesn't really paint a picture of that necessarily. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, some prophets have been interpreted to, but uh, yeah. Uh, but it's like, it's not supposed to be unreachable. The laws that we're given and the way that we're supposed mm -hmm. to live is not supposed to be out of reach. It's supposed to be doable. I think there's real, something really lovely in recognizing our humanness, mm -hmm. right? We are not God. We never were meant to be, right? Yeah. Um, I don't know if you, you know the Enneagram at all, but I'm an Enneagram one, which is the perfectionist. So, mm. you know, I very much in my own mind and life realize that, you know, I want to do it all perfectly and the best. Um, and again, grace, you know, that idea that it's okay if I don't, right? It's the striving, mm -hmm. it's the attempt, you know. The trying. It's not always going to be perfect, even though I want it to be. <laughs> I really do. No. But it's not. And and letting that be is is amazing. Now having said that, yes. I personally have found that there is some degree of finger wagging going on within congregations. You know, the, what was it? The elevator look, mm. right? Oh yeah. What is she doing? And that mm. brings us to our yeah. second, our second common misperception or maybe accurate perception. Well, <laughs> let's talk about it. It's, it's this church people are holier than thou and they judge other people and try to impose their views on everyone else. Mm. So those are actually kind of two different, two things. different things. It's like you've yeah. got people who are holier than thou Mm -hmm. And you've got people who try to impose their views on everyone else. Maybe we should have separated those. Mm -hmm. Let's start with holier than thou. Do you encounter those in? Not in the current congregation that I serve, uh, but that's by careful selection process on my part <laughs> when looking for a job. Oh. Um, but I've certainly was raised in in the congregation in several congregations where the holier than thou, like I'm more observant, I keep better kosher than you, or mm -hmm. I keep better Sabbath than you, or whatever. And I'm like that. Just, just, nope. Yeah. <laughs> Hard pass on that. Um, but most people are chill, right? And yeah. you're saying you're a current congregation. Yeah, I think people look to congregations as, and this is my, my little soapbox, um, that when you come into a church or a synagogue, in order to really feel comfortable, you kind of have to have been trained in ritual skills that are specific to that, to that religion. Mm -hmm. um, uh, you you have to, to feel, in order to feel comfortable, it doesn't mean you're not welcome if you don't have the ritual skills, but you may walk in and feel out of place and ignorant, and that's not a good feeling, and then you won't feel welcome, and some of that might even be your own feelings that you're projecting, um, mm -hmm. and not really the feelings of the congregation about you. Um, so I always feel like there's this give and take, that if you want to feel comfortable in a congregation, it's really useful, in whatever religion or denomination, 
to understand what the ritual skills you need are, whether it's, I don't know, do you have, do you have to learn Latin to go to Catholic church? I don't even know. Not anymore. Not anymore. But, you know, to, to feel comfortable in a, in, a, in a synagogue, knowing a little Hebrew is helpful, but that's a whole other language. Mm-hmm. Um, being familiar with the tunes that have become the popular tunes in synagogues or in the churches might be helpful. Um, then, the, then there's this sense of familiarity, but I feel like it's a give and take. Like, um, and, and I think people sometimes think that everybody is like, well, we've got our, we've got our little private club here and we have our in, <laughs> our in jokes, our private tunes, our private language, right, right. but all of that is available to you. But in order to feel comfortable, you do have to learn them. And it doesn't matter what religion, there are going to be ritual skills associated with yep. any given religion. And I feel like if you want to really feel comfortable, you're going to have to do the work and learn a little bit about the ritual skills. And so is it fair to say everybody's welcome, but you have to like step forward and like do your part, right? If you want to feel comfortable. I mean, I, I think there are many welcoming churches and synagogues mm-hmm. where somebody would walk in and not feel welcome, not because they're not people aren't saying, hey, come on in, but because you're like, what is this language? What is that melody? What are you singing? And And so you don't feel comfortable which means you start to not feel welcome because there's a lack of comfort. Yeah. And I think developing ritual skills develops comfort so that if you are familiar with the hymns that are sung in a particular church, you will automatically walk in, hear those hymns, and feel welcome and comfortable and in a safe space. And if it's not familiar, it doesn't feel safe mm-hmm. for mm-hmm. any. That's human across the... So that's my... Yeah. And so when I'm telling families who feel like they don't feel comfortable coming to synagogue, I'm let's no, no judgment but it's because you don't come often enough. Mm-hmm. No judgment on not coming, but it's a resource for you if you, and you can take advantage of the resource if you kind of know know what the language is and know what the... And how can we as a congregation or as faith leaders help with that, right? Yes. That's a conversation we have at Westminster is, again, I don't, think, I don't think we're holier than thou. I love my congregation, but you know, how can we constantly work at not coming across as holier than right. thou, right? right. Like right. when I refer to something in the narthex, like what right. the heck is that? I, do not right. I don't even know what that is. <laughs> I don't know it's what that is. the lobby. Oh yeah, the lobby. <laughs> but we call it the <laughs> So I gotta use regular oh. words, right? Yeah. Oh. So, I, so I truly feel you know, we are not, but I can see how, for mm-hmm. someone who doesn't have that knowledge, might think we might be. Yeah. So how can we help with that? It's like speaking the, the secret language. Exactly. So trying to yeah. reduce kind of the barriers of entry yeah. there yeah. by yes. making it more yeah. accessible to people, yeah. Well, when you're speaking from the pulpit, um, like if we use, if if I use a Hebrew word, mm-hmm. I, I try to immediately translate it mm-hmm. because I real just knowing that not everybody in the room knows what that word means. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. I want to use the correct Hebrew word, but I also want to translate it immediately. Yep. So we all know what we're talking about. Yep. Well, having said that, I think we can all agree that there are some people out there who are a little holier than thou, right? Oh, God, yes. There are some people out there with a little finger wagging and elevator eyes. And I think that that comes, I think they're the minority. I really do. My congregation's great, too. Love you, St. Hilary, if you're watching. (laughs) Um, But sometimes, I think it's the temptation of when you're really trying to be serious about something that you take important, right? Mm -hmm. You think is important. And then you see someone else who is not taking it as seriously. There's mm-hmm. this human temptation to kind of blame that other person mm-hmm. because it validates your attention to that thing. Yes. Mm-hmm. And really, we just have to meet everybody where they are. There, there is no better and worse. Yeah. Uh, right. And I'll say, you know, at our congregation, we just started a new um, 
small group program for people who are not who are struggling with addiction in the family. Mm. So it's mainly people whose children or siblings or whatever are having addiction problems and they need a place to talk about it. And we just started it and I thought, well, you know, no one's going to come to this because, you know, everybody wants to appear perfect mm. at church, right? Mm-hmm. Everybody wants to appear that I've got my life together. It's all smiles. But in fact, we have dozens of people attending who are feel who are willing to be vulnerable enough in front of their other um, parishioners, fellow parishioners to say, hey, my family's not perfect. Mm-hmm. I'm not perfect. Mm-hmm. Well, that's kudos to you for creating a safe community and a Absolutely. safe space. Yes. Thank you. Well, it was actually the idea of one of our parishioners. But so I think to debunk this stereotype, uh, they exist out there and we need to have compassion for them because we realize that they're struggling with their own self-identity, right? Yes. I mean, I mean, I think it is human nature to, when you're feeling insecure, to boast about how knowledgeable you are, or how this and that, and that is your your own insecurities mm-hmm. yeah. coming out and, mm-hmm. and yeah. Now what about the part of this about imposing our views on everyone else? Mm-hmm. This is where I think Christianity probably more than Judaism um, has a bad reputation. Oof. Because- Well, built- it's not just the reputation. I mean, look at history. Mm. Christianity has been terrible. <laughs> terrible. Well, ups and downs. <laughs> ups and downs. <laughs> ups and downs. <laughs> Like every human organization, right? Yes, but a lot of terrible thrown in. I mean, there's no way around that, right? Yeah. Right. And that's, the, history is what it is. Um, so, you know, I look at that and say, you know, going forward, how can we be better? And, yeah, I mean, you, I feel like we've covered this a little bit with what you were saying earlier about, you know, multiple paths to God, right? Yeah. Multiple circles that, right. you know, all religions, you know, try to offer to their adherents. Well, I mean, I think yeah. a lot of religions, you know, were were born in a in a more tribal society i don't know how far i'm jumping the jumping it that you've got one of my i don't know what you're looking at we don't have any notes one of my uh one of my like hot like nerve topics uh, i see over there in the outline there uh you know chosen people and i think um you know back in tribal times you know where different tribal religions and you know four thousand years ago were fighting over land and fighting over this and fighting for survival. And it's like, my God can beat up your God was like the, (laughs) and I think a lot of that stuff comes from, from the, the the birth of a lot of the religions. Yeah, that's true. I think there's also a fine line between imposing one's views and sharing one's views, right? I love to talk about my faith with people because it's important to me and I want to share what's important to me with people who are important to me, right? I never share my faith thinking that, you know, they should convert to Christianity, right? I share my faith because it brings me joy and love and hope, and I want I want that for everyone. Um, so, you know, I, I, it, there, there's a line there that's important to me. Um, so it's not that I never want to talk about my faith, but I want to find ways to talk about it that is not imposing. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And I think, like I said at the beginning of this part of it, I think Christianity gets a bad reputation because Jesus did say at the end of his time on earth, he said, go and make disciples of yeah, everyone. He did. And so how do you, so, but I think it's how you do it, mm-hmm. not mm-hmm. Uh, necessarily whether you do it. That's, that's important yeah. because I do agree completely. There's an there's a important difference between sharing your faith and imposing your faith. Yeah. 
Okay. Well, what's next on our list? <laughs> All right. <laughs> um, the next myth to debunk is that, and I love this one, church people never have any fun. Oh, so not true. Religious people are a bunch of goody two-shoes striving for <laughs> sainthood with dour dispositions and a lack of joy. Well, people just need to watch our podcast right? to debunk that. <laughs> I know, right? We're a ton of fun. <laughs> I know, right? You guys are not weird. You're not drinking enough. <laughs> <laughs> there we go. <laughs> but um, it is true, right, that that... Religious people tend to be serious about their faith, right? Mm -hmm. Sure. Serious about their faith. Absolutely. And so maybe sometimes it can come across as being a little dour. But I think as we were talking about this off camera, there are people who are serious about their faith, but they have a balance between being serious about their faith and taking life with joy or, yeah. or living life with joy, right? Yeah. I think you called it a balance between piety and levity. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> Definitely. I think you should take your faith seriously and you shouldn't take yourself too seriously. Mm. I mean, I will never take myself seriously. Um, but when it comes to interacting with people and approaching my faith, you know, I want to do it with, a, with respect, um, you know, with a certain decorum. And if you can't, it, we're human. You have to have fun. It, life is not fun without, and seeing the humor in everything. So, right. yeah. I mean, I think so. that's a mark of spiritual maturity is to be able to know, uh, is to not take yourself too seriously, and but also to be able to take your faith seriously at the, mm -hmm. at the same time. There's a time for fun and a time mm -hmm. to be serious, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think that is, maybe that one is more of a PR problem than any any of the others. Because mm -hmm. yeah, I, th I think there is this, idea, well, back to our last episode, oh, you got to follow all these rules, and oh, you can't drink, or you can't dance, you know, whatever the, you know, these thoughts are that... Um, That's why I'm Catholic. <laughs> I like to drink. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Could have fooled me. That aren't necessarily, you know, sort of, sort of non-religious people, you know, putting all this stuff on religious people that isn't even necessarily the case, right? right? But, but yeah. don't know any differently. Yeah. I mean, there are Jewish sects that... Uh, were founded on joy. They, they, in mm. the, uh, I don't know, 18th or 19th century, there were some, you know, sects of Hasidic Jews who were like, we are not having enough fun. God wants us to have fun. And we can be very pious and also be joyful and dance and, and have all the, well, I mean, how times. many Psalms talk about sing and make music, right? praise God, dance. I mean, right. Our, our, our tradition is jo is joyous, yeah. right? Yeah. So, but then even King David got called out uh, for oh, dancing in front of the Ark of the, oh, but of that the was, Covenant, right? That was uh, definitely uh, a little too much levity where it was not appropriate. Ah, yeah. well, there you go. Yeah. You know, he but also, he defended himself. He said, he said, I can't remember the exact quote, but it was like, "Yeah, I don't." I buy must dance before the Lord. Yeah, I don't buy. He was. He was. You don't buy it. Oh, I don't okay. buy it. I mean, yes, <laughs> you are. You are correct in 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 his defense, and I don't buy his defense. Mm. Wow. But it. it, it <laughs> Judge much? Sorry. It, <laughs> King David, a guy who sent a guy off to war to die to so die. he could marry his wife. You betcha, Judge much? But it goes to our point. <laughs> yeah. Absolutely, joy and levity are important, and. Taking our faith seriously, also important, yeah. you know, being able to hold both. 
I think there's another uh, aspect of this whole thing about being too serious, or thinking religious people are too serious. Uh, they tend, religious people often tend to take the harder road though, right? Mm, they yeah. tend to take the harder road, which isn't always the norm, right? The path of least resistance is what, uh, without mm -hmm. sounding judgy, mm. uh, path of least resistance is a big temptation, right? For people, mm. but religion, I know Christianity, um, really one of the things Jesus constantly said was take up your cross. Uh, mm -hmm. If you wanna mm -hmm. find your life, you have to lose it, meaning you have to give away yourself, you have to self-sacrifice if you really wanna find fulfillment in life. And that can be hard, yeah. so it can kinda of come across as maybe too serious. Mm. Um, and in Judaism too, right? Um, yes, and another side of that coin. Um, when I was growing up in a more orthodox environment, I actually found great comfort in the structure. Um, I mean, I was drinking the Kool-Aid and I really felt, I even said this out loud to my mom once, I was like, it's so easy to be religious because I don't have to make any decisions about how to live my life. Mm. They are made for me. Mm. Um, and I actually, as a child, found that comforting and found it easy. And when I did fall away from my religion for about 20 years, I will tell you, that was hard. That was hard. That's and I haven't made my way fully back. I'm not as observant as I was growing up. Um, I find different meaning in different aspects of the Jewish religion and, in, and just in Jewish uh, values and in, in, in a Jewish life uh, that different than the more orthodox way. But as a child, and I know there are many people who find great comfort mm. in the structure. It's really mm. interesting because one of the things we're trying to do with our child is help him to make those kind of choices. You know, when society and your church experience are at odds, mm. how are you going to make those choices? The first thing automatically that comes to my mind is sports on Sunday mornings, <laughs> right? Mm. Um, and we face that a lot of times with him growing up. And you know, we've really tried to not say, you must go to church all the time, mm -hmm. right? Uh, while also still making sure that church is a priority for our family. Um, and so usually we've fallen on the sort of 50-50, right? You know, if you went to a sporting event one Sunday morning, you're gonna go to worship the next Sunday morning. But we've tried to do that in a way that includes him. What if he's like playing sports uh, and on a team and they are literally, they have matches or practice every Sunday morning. I mean, obviously he's not, you would not choose that team. Uh, well, sometimes you but, don't get a choice though. And so we, we in general have done the every other. Mm -hmm. um, one Sunday morning you can go to your practice, the next Sunday morning you're gonna have to skip practice to come to church. But we've tried to do that in a way that involves him yeah. because we're worried about exactly what you talked about. Like if it's just yeah. you know, sort of rote and no decision making, what happens when he becomes an adult and starts to need to make these decisions for himself, yeah. right? It's hard. So, so in a sense, there definitely are ways, like from a, from a non-religious family looking in saying, oh my gosh, he's missing half of his sports games to go to church. That's terrible, right? Like there's no joy in that. He can't play baseball every Sunday. <laughs> but, you know, I think what that fails to see is all of the joy that he gets from coming to worship on Sunday morning and being a part of his church community, yes. right? That fills him with joy too. Community so, is so, it's yeah. such a joyful aspect of all religions. If you can create community, that's the best thing. Oh, without a doubt. It's the best thing. Yeah, community, especially, for me at least, in a church setting, intergenerational community. Mm, totally. Like, you know, where else really are you gonna find, you know, eight to 88 interacting together, yeah. intentionally together? Yeah. Yeah. 
Yeah, so I think what we're all saying, right, is that uh, religion uh, often involves making tough choices, right? Tough mm -hmm. choices Without that maybe doubt, yeah. that maybe others who are not part of that religion don't have to make, but they do bring. They don't have to be joyless yes. choices. Yes, without a doubt. To, in fact, Jesus, yes. right? Jesus said that. Um, we read that every Ash Wednesday. That uh, I don't know if you guys do that. Uh, the the gospel is when you're fasting, don't mm. you know? Uh, wash your face and make don't don't act like you're fasting. Don't you be know? dour about. Don't be dour about <laughs> it, right? So well, when we're fasting. We don't wash our faces or brush our teeth. Or wear deodorant. It's a horrible thing. <laughs> okay, don't invite me on that. Our, you don't want to come to our synagogue in Kippur, where people are like really fasting. It's not pretty. <laughs> all right. Well, what's the next one? All right. Well, we got two more, and uh, oh I think goodness. I think we can cover these pretty quickly. So okay. the, the next one, I mean, it's pretty obvious to me. Church people are a bunch of extremist fundamentalists, and I think we've sort of already debunked that. That yeah. that's a minority of people. Yeah. in the whole thing. There will yeah. always be extremists and fundamentalists yeah. in every single culture and religion. Yeah, yeah. even and if it's not religion. Right? Yeah, I was, and, and, I was, yeah, yeah, I was thinking culture. politics too. I yeah. mean, yes, absolutely. Extremists yeah. are out there. They are not representative of right. the majority. Okay, and then here's the last Ooh, one. We covered that Ooh. one nicely. Okay, okay next. All right. <laughs> all religious people want to do is get to heaven. They think about death all the time hmm. and they wait for Jesus to come back or well, I don't know what the counterpart there the is. Messiah. And, and the Messiah to come. Like second is coming. he going to destroy same, the earth? Same guy. Now. Okay, well. Oh, my God. <laughs> no, no. Oh, we have a whole other thing. Yeah. Well, we're going to talk, talk about, about that, that one. in, in November, another, yes. our episode about heaven. Yes. What happens after you die. Um, but what, what about that? I mean, is that all religious church people, like, is that all they want is just to get to heaven? They don't care about this life. They don't care about the earth. And is that true? Well, no. Let's start there. <laughs> no, not true. Um, and, um, you know, at least in the Christian tradition, there is some of that that does come from scriptures, right? That idea of being prepared, right? Right, right. You know, that idea that things are going to happen soon. Of right. course, then it didn't, but by then, <laughs> scriptures had already been written. Um, so I can see how that has crept into our tradition. Um, and, gosh, and I think you have talked about it already, you know? Well, I mentioned my, my friend, the stand-up comic, Jackie Cation, amazingly funny lady, who has a bit right now in her current circuit about the end times and people <laughs> who want to bring about the end times by being horrible people. But that they haven't really read yeah. that you actually, the end times aren't coming until everybody is like loving and good and they kind of missed that memo. It's a very funny bit. Oh, wow. <laughs> very I'll check that yeah, out. Yeah, I mean, it's, if, if you know, you're only, you know, moving through life for what comes next, you've missed the point. Yeah. So, um, so that one, maybe more than any, I could see how that would be a perception because it is, even is a little bit a part of our tradition. But I hope now 2,000 years removed from that, we have moved beyond that. Yeah, I think, the, again, I think it's, for me, it seems like a difference between people who have grown in maturity in their faith, mm. that they see that, yes, I mean, perhaps the, well, I would say from our tradition, I mean, the ultimate goal is to spend eternity with God, but that doesn't mean we don't take this life as joyful and take this life seriously in terms right. of protecting the earth. And mm -hmm. I mean, stewardship, yeah. for instance, stewardship of the earth is, uh, contrary to popular opinion, a, a bedrock value in, in Christianity. Mm -hmm. um, mm -hmm. And so, but I, I can see where the kind of an immature might, believer might think it's all about, I got to get into heaven. The more rosaries I say, the more, <laughs> you know, and I'm not denigrating the rosary. It's a beautiful prayer, but 
you know, it's like almost as if how, you know, everything is calculated to get, and that's not what God intended. Right, yeah. Like God's not counting beans here. Right. <laughs> 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 why, why that look? I was gonna get at it. Okay. Wait, what? <laughs> I thought you said beads. Bead, oh, beads. Oh, oh, no, beans. beans. Okay, beans. beans. Okay. Although now beads, sure <laughs> beads. <laughs> All right. Well, the last thing we wanted to talk about is the fact, and I don't know if we want to go into it, but we think the clergy are the weirdest of all religious people. You calling me weird? I know. Yeah, Not true, after I this am. last hour, but. Um, <laughs> It's because most mm. clergy work insane hours yeah. for very little pay and sometimes even less appreciation. What do we think about that? Why do we do it and how do we get here? I don't know. In short. I mean, Bethany and I were just talking before now that I love funerals and, you know, got one this week and it's like consuming my week. But I love doing funerals. They're so sad, but they're so great. Mm. I, th I think it comes down to the concept of call. Um, which I think you hear call tossed around a lot in religious circles, you know, this idea that God has called us to something. Um, so I feel very strongly God has called me to be a pastor. And yeah, I didn't get into it for the acclamation or the money. I got into it to serve God. That being said, I would hope that that concept of call is much broader than just clergy, right? You know, I would hope that anyone, you know, has right. felt to that call to get into something, whether it be a profession that pays, whether it be, you know, a hobby that's amazing, right? Raising that, their children. Exactly. Okay. Whatever it might be, you know, God has called me to be doing this at mm -hmm. this moment in my life. Now, yeah. another moment, maybe I'll be doing something else, you know. Um, <laughs> but, but you know, that's why I, I, I do what I do. Does it make me weird? Probably. No. <laughs> but but I hope that good weird. you know lots of people are following their call to whatever that may be. Yeah. Maybe it makes us all weird. Yeah. Yeah. Before I became a priest, I was a lawyer. And I worked for uh, an international law firm. And when I told them that I was leaving to go into the priesthood, they were all very happy for me. But I knew in the back of their minds are like, wait, you're giving up six-figure salary mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. to do this. Mm -hmm. You know why? And it's for me, it's because of sense of mission and purpose in life. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And maybe just to end on this, mm -hmm. clergy have one of the highest reported job satisfaction rates of any profession or career out there. That's amazing. Even though it's hard. I didn't even know that, but I feel very consistently gratified. Consistently rank yeah. within, yeah. I think it's the top five wow. of the uh, most satisfying careers. Good, that's yeah. good news. Yeah. And I hope that continues. It's good. I mean, but, do you guys feel that you're, I, I feel very, Sorry, guys. Very gratified <laughs> what I do. <laughs> like, bang on the microphone. <laughs> um, very gratified what I do. I don't know, you guys. Absolutely. Every day. Yes. Like, every day I actually stop and say, oh, I can't believe I get paid to do this. Like, yes. I literally every day will be just doing my job, and, and there isn't a day that goes by Same. that I don't say, I don't believe I get paid for this. Same here. Uh, when I'm not <laughs> grumbling about something that's gone wrong. Right. <laughs> 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 Wait, anyway. should we backtrack to our perfectionism? Uh, <laughs> yes, and I know of many clergy who would not say the same thing, unfortunately, because oh, it is gratifying, but it, it can be, depending on your context. I think we have all spoken very highly of our congregations, and mm -hmm. that's not just lip service, those of you who are watching, that's true. Um, unfortunately, there are many congregations out there who are not as lovely as our three. And in it, that case, it can be very stressful. It can be really hard. Yeah. It can be really, really hard. But I'm glad to hear that in general, 
there is high job satisfaction because it is, it's it's an amazing job. I feel blessed to be able to do it every day. So we're not weird for doing it, right? Well, we, well, might we are be. weird. <laughs> <laughs> we are All right. weird. Well, thank you for joining us. That's a wrap, as they say, and um, I hope that we've debunked some myths and stereotypes about church people and religious people that you or other people that you know and love might have. Until next time, God Thanks bless you. Thanks for being with us. <laughs>